Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Today, we're covering part two of our Path to Fair Opportunity series, where we're talking about ordering under IDIQ contracts. This episode is brought to you by BidProtestInsurance.com. Bid protest insurance is exactly what it sounds like. Insurance to protect your award from bid protests. Bid protests are nearly impossible to predict. Since bid protests typically cost the apparent winner up to 15% of the contract value, they can be a nearly catastrophic financial event, especially for small businesses. Having insurance against this mitigates that risk. Here's how bid protest insurance works. Go to bidprotestinsurance.com to apply for a free, no-obligation quote. To secure that quote, you simply pay a small fee. If and only if you receive the award, you'll be charged for the agreed-upon premium. There's no cost if you don't win the award. Now, if someone protests your award, you're covered for many of the costs that are created by protest delays. To cover yourself in the event that someone protests your next win, go to bidprotestinsurance.com to get started. And speaking of getting started, let's get started with this episode. This is the second part of our series on fair opportunity. In part one, we talked about the difference between FAR Part 15 competitions and FAR Part 16.5 competitions. In short, FAR Part 15, which is called Contract by Negotiations, it's the rule set for the source selection process, the stuff that we talk about in many of the episodes. And then FAR Part 16.5, which is IDIQ contracts specifically, and that talks to how do you award with IDIQ contracts and with multiple award IDIQ contracts in particular. Which is through the fair opportunity process. So in part two, we're going to talk about the ordering process before we get to, in part three, the fair opportunity ordering process. Before we get into that, let's stop and say thanks. I want to say thanks this week to Robert Luft from Surefire Innovations. He's in Cincinnati, Ohio. They're a service-disabled veteran-owned small business that designs and installs technology, security, and AV systems. Robert gave me some great input on how he found the podcast, how he uses the content, and why he likes specifically, the basic, intermediate, and advanced content. That kind of feedback is critical for helping us serve our listeners with targeted, relevant, and, well, even entertaining content. Hopefully entertaining. Thanks, Robert. Let me give a quick summary of the series that we're doing here on Fair Opportunity. First episode is about IDIQ contracts overall, the what's and why's of IDIQs and multiple award contracts. This episode is about the ordering process IDIQ orders called task orders for services and delivery orders for goods are then used to order against the contract. And we're going to talk about that today. The next episode will be about the fair opportunity award process, which is what you use when you have multiple award contracts. How do you decide who wins each order? The last episode will cover how do you award on a sole source basis without competition in that fair opportunity world. Fair opportunity without competition? It sounds like an oxymoron. (laughs) Gotta love government contracting. Let's get into ordering. Key elements here. FAR 16.505A is ordering and lists 12 different points. We're going to talk about three of them here. 16.505A1 says, In general, the contracting officer does not synopsize orders under indefinite delivery contracts. What this means is orders are not posted on FedBizOps or FBO.gov. You're not posting these for the world to see. 
in FAR Part 15, that is a requirement. You release a request for proposal through FedBizOps. Here, it's not called a request for proposal. It's a fair opportunity proposal request. It's a FOPR. But you're only releasing that FOPR to the companies that hold contracts under your multiple award contract structure. And the key factor here, if you didn't pick up on this, is that means that these delivery orders or task orders are being awarded without any awareness of them being posted on FBO. So in other words, if FBO is your quote-unquote go-to for finding opportunities, consider the fact there could be millions or potentially billions of dollars of contracts that are awarded through these task orders on multiple award contracts that you'll never see. And by the way, to see the results of those task orders and delivery orders that are awarded without being on FBO, you have to look at USA spending because that's what shows where the contract dollars were spent, even if they were on a GSA schedule. Good point. Good point. Second piece of 16505A that we're going to talk about. Orders shall be within scope, issued within the period of performance, and be within the maximum value of the IDIQ contract. We'll get into that more in a minute when we talk about the clauses that enforce that. What this is saying is you can't just place an order for anything you're thinking of. It has to be within the scope of what you set up to start with, and it has to be within the time period that you set up. And IDIQ contracts have ceilings. You can't just order an aircraft carrier under an IDIQ contract with a $5 million ceiling. (laughs) Somebody probably tried to do that. Next thing we touched on in the last episode 16505A10i says no protest is authorized in connection with the issuance or proposed issuance of an order under a task order contract or deliver order contract. That is a big difference. Now, of course, there's exceptions, but that, that's a big deal, right? We're used to being able to protest if you don't believe the government followed their rules. In 16505, protests are allowed. If the grounds for the protest is that the order increases the scope, the period of performance, or the maximum value of the contract. So those things that we just talked about before, if the government is breaking the rules that they set up and is trying to order that aircraft carrier under this MAC that has a $5 million ceiling on the contracts, you can protest that. The other exception for protests is if the order is over $25 million for the Department of Defense, NASA, or the Coast Guard, and over $10 million for any other agency or department, then protests are allowed. So over $25 million for the agencies that have requirements that that can be quite large, and $10 million where you're not usually spending quite as much in, in one big chunk. And to bring this point home, I awarded a $7.6 million contract, $7-ish million contract for products when I was at Special Operations Command. It was a competitive contract, you know, right at the end of the fiscal year, had the whole FAR Part 15 process, debriefings, protests, the whole shebang. In that case, because it was only $7 million, it could have been awarded, if we had an IDIQ multiple award, it could have been awarded under one of these contracts. Number one, no one would have known about it because it wouldn't have been published. Number two, it was within the scope of the contract. And number three, nobody could have protested it. That's a big difference. (laughs) I mean, it's the same, I'm buying the same thing, but the path to get there is very different. Okay, let's get into the clauses that enforce the restrictions on ordering that we just talked about. FAR 52.216-18 is ordering. Paragraph A spells out that you have to be designated as able to place an order under this contract in order to do so. So how do you get designated? There's some contracting agency that owns the contract, and they designate up front, 
Here's who can use this IDIQ contract to place orders. It also says that orders may be issued from this date through this date. It has nice insert blocks there. So that's the period of performance. Limits the ordering period for the contract. Second piece, which is paragraph B, says all delivery orders, task orders, are subject to the terms and conditions of the contract. In the event of a conflict between the delivery order or task order and the contract, the contract shall control. This part actually streamlines the process because the contract has all the terms and conditions. Delivery orders and task orders don't have to contain all of those terms and conditions. But if a, if a DO or a TO has specific terms and conditions that conflict with the master contract, that master contract rules. That's a really good point. And that's one of the things that makes the process shorter is all of those terms and conditions and contract clauses don't have to be repeated in the actual task order delivery order document. It's a lot smaller document. Yep. Paragraph C says orders may be issued orally by facsimile or by electronic commerce methods <laughs> as authorized by the contract. We really just bring this up because it, it's funny. It's funny. In the olden days, you could issue orders orally. In the 90s, you might have used your fax, and anything since then is probably using email or some web ordering forum. But it still needs to be specifically authorized in the contract. How, how dated the FAR still is. Okay, this episode, we're never getting out of FAR time. The next clause <laughs> that we're going to talk about, this is 52216-19, so the very next clause talks about order limitations. It sets up the minimum and maximum order sizes that can be issued under an IDIQ contract. Paragraph A is minimum order. When the government requires supplies or services covered by this contract in an amount less than blank, insert quantity here, the government is not obligated to purchase, nor is the contractor obligated to furnish those supplies or services under the contract. This can be a key issue when there's a minimum order, and it needs to be a meaningful amount. So the idea of an IDIQ is for the work to be meaningful, not just to be a placeholder. But that minimum order is it needs to be, what's the right amount, dollar figure or quantity, that's worth it for industry to fulfill that order? And the opposite of that is the maximum order size. 52216-19B spells out maximum order. It says the contractor is not obligated to honor any order for a single item in excess of blank amount any order for a combination of items in excess of blank amount, or three, a series of orders from the same ordering office within blank days that call for quantities exceeding the limitations in, in those first two. This is one of those examples where someone must have abused the ordering process to the point where they had to add a clause specifically to require them not to stack the orders day after day. I see this playing out as in September, right before the end of the fiscal year, the government issued an order for 10 times the quantity that the contractor actually had a chance to produce and deliver in the time period spelled out by the contract. And when the contractor couldn't deliver that many, the government got all testy about it and said, you're in default of the contract. And the contractor said, hey, that, that was a huge order. That was way out of line. There's no way I could possibly deliver that all in time. So they set up a, a rule system to say everyone has to be prepared to deliver this many in this amount of time so that contractors weren't subject to uh, sort of unfair ordering pr practices. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's just, it keeps them from being overwhelmed. Touching on the acquisition and execution time zones, here we're talking not about the acquisition 
and execution time zones for the overall Mac IDIQs, but for the individual orders within that structure. Each task order or delivery order goes through its own mini acquisition time zone and execution time zone. And if you're not familiar with the acquisition time zones, that's in episode number three, and the execution time zones are in episode 84. The ordering process is important because this is how the work gets done. It's how the IDIQ contract holders actually win the work, not just the right to compete for the work, which is what they won when they when they got their multiple award contract. Congratulations, you get nothing except the right to compete for future task orders. And that can be really confusing if you are going to have a big celebration for winning a multiple award IDIQ contract because you really haven't won much yet. And once you win the multiple award IDIQ contract, it can be very confusing to see how much work you're actually going to get from the contract because the, the IDIQ, the I stands for indefinite. So you don't know how much quantity there is going to be, let alone how much of that quantity you're going to actually win. For the government, on a single award IDIQ, ordering is easy, particularly for products. You just notify the contractor, you send that delivery order or task order, and it's unilateral, so they get the order, and then whatever you wanted to buy shows up. It's kind of like Amazon, sort of. On the multiple award IDIQ, it's not quite that easy. It can be streamlined, but it's not quite down to that Amazon-esque click here, buy, stuff shows up next day level. On multiple award IDIQs, contract holders are entitled to fair opportunity, meaning that orders have to be competed to some extent as you've defined in the contract. So what we've been talking about with these clauses for placing orders, minimum, maximum, very, very easy on a single award IDIQ. Not the same if it's multiple award. It's still easier than a full source selection that we've talked about in FAR Part 15, but it unfortunately can get as complicated as a FAR Part 15 if you're not careful. But regardless, competing orders on IDIQ contracts still should be faster and, and easier than going through all those other acquisition processes under FAR 13, 14, 15, and even GSA, because GSA, you have lots, potentially thousands of companies that could send you a proposal. Whereas if you have a multiple award with only three to 10 companies, you have a limited scope of people who are sending you proposals. And again, that alone is valuable information. Unless you've done a multiple award IDIQ and awarded a thousand multiple award IDIQ contracts for that scope, and then you're basically competing with everyone just like you never did the Mac in the first place. There's a balance here. Having too few holders of the multiple award IDIQ can be difficult, but having too many can be difficult. So the agency has to decide what's that right balance. On the industry side, remember that competing under multiple award IDIQs is still a lot more work than a single award IDIQ. Like we talked about in the previous episode, industry always wants the single award IDIQ where the government can just dole out task orders. Here you go, here you go, here you go. They don't necessarily want to have to compete every time for the work. But competing under the MAC, under the multiple award scenario, should technically be less disturbing than competing against the whole world. should be more streamlined. On these multiple award contracts, especially at the end of the fiscal year when a lot of things are happening, you have to understand how you're going to compete, and you have to also understand how you're going to keep up with potentially heavy flow of task order or delivery order proposals. That's a critical part of the contract management piece, is once you get this IDIQ contract, the government's expecting you to turn these proposals around pretty quickly. If you're not prepared for that, it can 
be a painful wake-up call. That's actually one of the areas that Skyway helps our customers with. They need surge. They need surge support. As a multiple award IDIQ contract holder, you expect to get two foppers a month. Well, all of a sudden, you get five foppers a month. How are you going to be able to do that? Well, they call us. It's one of the things that we do. <laughs> but that's but that's a great example of the things that you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. A lot of big companies that have these multiple award contracts have a whole shop set up just to manage the task order and delivery order proposal and management process because it's different than the rest of the business. Like you said, it can be very off or on. The government might surge at the end of the fiscal year to get orders placed, and you have to have people there prepared to deal with it. Okay, that should pretty much wrap up our conversation about the order issuing process. We talked more about issuing orders under single awards than max here, but that is the setup, I think, required to talk about how orders are competed with the fair opportunity process that we're going to get into in the very next episode. So with that, I'll talk to you later, Kevin. All right, see you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode. We'd like to thank our sponsor, BidProtestInsurance.com, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Surefire Innovations is a SDVOSB that designs and installs technology, security, and audio system. You're just going to drop SDVOSB? You're just going to barf that out and let it ride? <laughs> You're so fine. fine. Start with Surefire Innovations. Okay. <laughs> You're just going to barf that out. That's funny. <laughs> Give me a second. I just got this. Yeah, that's funny.